0: Hello, and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, rounding up the best of bailiwick sport every Thursday. Coming up, we'll be talking golf, triathlon, and hockey. A full interview with Olympic gold medalist Shona McCallan to come. She's been over to inspire the next generation and visit Headway Guernsey to help drive awareness about the dangers of concussion in sport. A really interesting chat, that one, um, and relevant, I'm sure, to a lot of different sports. I'm Tony Kerr, and alongside me this week is Jamie Ingrell. Hi, Tony. And standing in for Gareth, who's having a a well-deserved break, as to be said, is Simon Delarue. Hello. Great to see you. (laughs) Great to have you here.
1: Oh, it's great to be here, yeah. It's (laughs) it's, it's a privilege.
0: I mean, it has, of course, been a momentous week for news, hasn't it? But um, despite some umming and ahhing at the, the back end of last week, much of the local sports schedule... Has carried on marking the memory of the queen along the way. There were periods of silence at the start of the men's golf interinsula and the Granite Man, and um, more on both of those to come. Um, but Dell, you were also present um, at what was a fairly remarkable moment off island. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I didn't follow any local sport this weekend because I was away for the whole weekend and uh, that was because several months ago I bought a ticket for the third day of the third and final tests between England and South Africa at the Oval. Uh, of course, when I booked the ticket, I had no idea that it was going to be anything other than an ordinary third day, although, uh, of course, it, if the play had begun in hindsight on uh, day one, it wouldn't have existed because <laughs> it would have been about half an hour long, five overs or so. Yeah um but um yeah obviously when i by the time i actually went to travel over on the friday i wasn't actually aware that there would be any play it hadn't been decided yet whether they would go ahead with it after the queen's death um and but in the end the decision was made i believe it, uh, after close um uh, uh, uh cooperation with um the uh, duchy of cornwall who actually um uh, have very close links to Surrey. There, that the, the game would go ahead. So, um, so there I was in the Finn stand um, as uh, as play got underway. But actually, we we um, my friend and I made our way there half an hour early for half past ten because we'd heard that there was going to be some form of ceremony, and I'd thought perhaps it was going to be um, you know something on the video screens or something like that. But um, you know, there was there was a general hubbub. There. The whole place was already full by about ten forty. And then um, some. It was it was remarkable, really, to be there to witness this. Uh, some soldiers came down from the pavilion to form a sort of guard of honor, and um, this was noticed by the crowd. And and it started in the stand over to our left. Everybody just stood up and fell completely silent. Nothing had actually been announced or uh, any details given at this point, but um, everyone was just utterly quiet. Then a minute silence was announced, almost. Um, unnecessarily because it was so quiet already and then at the end of that minute silence a bell was rung um this is after the players had come out you know filing out to complete silence and and again the, the silence just sort of continued and then we went into the uh the national anthems uh first south africa and and then god save the king of course which uh you know i would got i got used to in my head the fact that we were going to sing god save the king and yet when it came to actually getting the words out, I just kind of choked up. It was it was a really powerful moment. I, I wouldn't describe myself as the as the uh, most sort of tub thumping royalist uh, on the island, but it it was really quite an emotional thing. And and um, I know that on uh, TMS they were talking about on Test Match Special talking about how it was kind of a rousing rendition that uh, that was. Sort of in honour of the Queen. But actually, I, I felt personally singing that, that it was more a kind of welcome to this man who's waited longer than en- any other monarch um, to to come to the throne. So, you know, it was a warm welcome of him and, a, and an affirmation from the crowd uh, towards him, I thought. And then and the applause at the end of it just carried on for minutes uh, until the players ran out onto the pitch. So it was, it was quite a moment to be there, you know, sort of, um, obviously, you wouldn't wish it to occur. Mm-hmm. But I felt as if I'd kind of lucked out by happening to uh, come upon a moment of history just by buying that ticket.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just watching it on TV, um, you of got, got a, a small sense of it. But as you say, the atmosphere there or the, the lack of atmosphere, I guess, you know, the, the sort of the silence and the, the quiet reflection.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I would, I would say you, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife, even though it was... Uh, Utterly silent, you know. It was just, uh, it just all seemed very appropriate in a way that somehow cricket can manage to do in a way that sports, other sports may sort of struggle to to mark that kind of moment in such an appropriate manner. I guess.
0: Yeah, well, there was lots of debate, wasn't there, about what was going to happen to, to various sporting fixtures, both sort of nationally, internationally, and and locally as well. Um, you know. The, there was a sort of sense that at one point that everything might be kind of postponed or called off. And then, um, you know, the sort of associations and sporting bodies started to come out and say, well, actually, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, sort of plow on and, 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 you know, mark the moment, um, which is what happened on Sunday, Jamie, uh, with the granite man, a two minutes silence um, before the start of that, which you know, this is an event that's usually the sort of focal point of um, the triathlon season. And I like, for those athletes who've been training for, what is a, a half iron man, you know, at such short notice, it would have been quite cruel to to kind of, sort of you know, rid them of that opportunity to to put that trading into practice. And usually for this one as well, back for the second year in a row to accommodate the Island Games schedule next year. And there
2: were two standout winners. Just talk us through how it played out. It's an unusual time for Granite Man really because normally it would be like the highlight of the year, definitely for a certain like group of triathletes. But this year, a lot of them have their sights set on Ironman Barcelona. A lot of them were deep into training for that. And some looked at it as training, some decided to go for big training sessions around it. I know in particular there's one competitor who decided to do a seven hour do a seven-hour training session the day before instead, so it didn't turn up. Um so I still got a sense it is well supported, but we did miss out on a few people. It was a bit strange having the timing. Is a bit unusual having it on consecutive years because it is normally biennial, but we had a bizarre situation with Fog last year, which meant we had to defer a lot of people's entries. But yeah, um, we had just over 40 people on the start line, but you still got a sense it was well-supported events, uh, loads of people cheering them on. And yeah, I think James Travers, fair play to him. He's... Been at the top for a while and he put in an excellent performance to win. I did have to feel a bit bad for second place Chris Nortman. He was a champion last year, he was going well. You got a sense he might catch Trav on the run. But he suffered badly from cramp. Um also transpired later that he'd been stung by a wasp, so not the most fortunate day for him. And he had also picked up a five-minute penalty on a bike, which I mean realistically would have removed him from the equation. But yeah, um, fantastic performance from Trav, good racing for the minor positions. And I mean, yeah, Chloe Troffitt in the women's race. It was her debut for the distance. But you probably would not have guessed that. She put in a solid performance all around and yeah, definitely deserved the win. Um she was 36 minutes ahead of second place which shows her pedigree i mean she had been on a holiday beforehand had covid another infection got about a solid pretty much only had one solid week of training and immediate build-up but yeah she got through it um she was obviously tired but she was proud of herself afterwards and i think she deserved to be yeah.
0: So I suppose for, for local athletes, kind of, yeah, sort of split focus really for, for triathlon this summer. I mean, what's your sort of reflection on the, the season as a whole and, and heading into next
2: year's Ireland games mm. is the sport and, and our sort of top athletes are they in good shape? I think we've got really good competitive depth. I think looking at more like the Olympic type distances, then you would have to say Thierry Le Cheminon is the domestic number one. Yeah, you say Chloe among the women. But then, of course, we've got some fantastic off-island triathletes. uh, So... In the women's case, it'd be Megan Chappell. In the men's case, it'd be Josh Lewis. Or sort of a clear overall Guernsey number ones. But you don't get to see much from a domestic competition. But generally, I think particularly among the men, like you've got five or so people who are like quite hard to split. And it made for quite a compelling Ireland Games qualifier, which was kind of the other major focus of this season. Um, So that was back about a month ago. And we had like a lot of the top competitors scrapping for places over the Olympic distance at Pembroke so again a lot of people are focused on that and maybe didn't put Granite Man top of the agenda but yeah we've had good competition all season and it definitely bodes well for the Island Games next year Good stuff. Lots to look forward to there. Um, right, just around the the corner from that, you
0: could definitely hear the uh, Tannoy um, blaring across the golf course, and um, particularly loud um, from the 18th tee on Sunday. The uh, Ravenscroft Men's Golf Interinsula um, was in full swing um, after a strong start from Jersey. Uh, Guernsey fought back to finish day one level, and um, before producing a strong set of performances in Sunday singles to regain the Challenge Trophy by twelve and a half points to seven and a half. Here's what Island
3: captain. A non-playing captain, Dave Jeffrey, told Gareth afterwards.
4: Congratulations! Thank you very much. What was the key to that success?
3: Then? <laughs> no, it's tough coming off Saturday morning. Three and a half, one and a half. You know, we think foursomes is probably our stronger format. That's why we lead off with it to try and get a lead. Um, it didn't turn out that way. Um, so we, you know, a couple of guys weren't quite on form Saturday morning. So we juggled the pack, changed a few pairings, and we got the result we wanted. So we reversed it: three and a half, one and a half in our favour. Saturday afternoon, and then that gives us a little bit more luxury on, on Saturday to sort of pick our order. We weren't chasing. Uh, we knew we needed five and a half points. Um, I, I figured Ian probably lead off pretty strong with some good guys in the middle too, and that's exactly what we did, and hoped our you know, top, top guys would take out their guys, and it turned out that way this year. So we did, did very well, but no disrespect to the guys at the back. They did really, really well. Um, you know, Ego so much experience at the back. You know, Ollie, Hampshire junior champion, coming in at nine. Um, Tom at eight, so it's fantastic performances. You know, Arthur taking out Parky, Chenlan, and Champion. I uh, can't really ask anymore
4: more. Uh, how sort of important do you think the momentum swing was on on the Saturday? The fact that you sort of yeah. managed to fight back in the afternoon. I mean, if they
3: if they got to six six and a half points uh, Saturday evening, it's pretty much done. Um as the holders only ten points, so you know to try and defend three and a half points in the singles would have been a very tough ask. But you know, five five, it's all to play for.
0: Dave Jeffrey there. Well, it's a massive summer next year, of course, with the Island Games and a shot at a rare win in Jersey. Uh, here's the reaction of their captain, Ian Daly.
4: Well hard luck on the result, but it was, uh, it was a great weekend golf in the end, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, it was. I mean it's uh, obviously started in very sad circumstances, but um we thought it important, going on the guidelines issued from the bailiffs' office in Jersey to play the uh, the fixture. And, um, you know, we, we had a minute's silence and everything, and it was, it was quite a sad occasion. But great that the match was played and a very well done to Guernsey, who uh, thoroughly deserved their victory over the course of the weekend. We started really well Saturday morning. Historically, we've not done too well in the foursomes, but we managed to win that series of matches, three and a half, one and a half. Guernsey, as we suspected, came right back into it Saturday afternoon, which left it delicately poised at five each overnight. Um, I must admit, I thought about a few scenarios, but I didn't think we'd um, we'd lose by quite this amount. I was I was hoping for a victory. The draw looked good, even though there were no easy matches out there. But um, hey, look, it's the Jersey boys are you know pig sick just as I am. But huge huge credit to Dave and his team. Apart from being all really really great guys, and I do mean that from the bottom of my heart, they're great golfers as well. And I think the friendships that are built over these fixtures last for lifetimes. Um, but yeah, I think they they carried that momentum that they gained yesterday afternoon in the four-ball victory into the singles. And, and as I say, we've no complaints. I watched some high-quality golf out there by 20 guys from you know ten from each island, trying their hearts out. But you know, full credit to Guernsey. they they did well and truly deserve it this weekend.
0: And you can watch a bit more on our Twitter and Facebook pages as well. Reaction from Guernsey's Tom Pattermore up there. So do check that out. Uh, over in Jersey, um, the Guernsey's women reaction there. Uh, the women's interinsula uh, back for the first time in three years and back as an annual fixture for the first time, which is um, quite exciting for them. So um, that match with Jersey um, will be played on an annual basis going forward. A, a difficult weekend overall for, for Guernsey's women losing um, fairly comprehensively, but some real bright notes as well with a couple of points on the board from um, Two of our younger competitors.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, there was uh, a, a sort of sanguine outlook. For, I think it's fair to say from uh, Super Welfare when I spoke to her after the sixteen-four um, defeat that Guernsey suffered uh, over in Jersey at the uh, at the Royal Jersey. Um, but um, I think the, the overall feeling amongst the team was that uh, they they put in some decent performances in the singles, um, uh, and uh, they had just found the the putting, particularly a challenge over there, especially after some rain. Um, not not the kind of um, conditions that they were used to. The, the the greens being different to what they what they have over here. Um, and so, really, there were I, th- I think there were um, more than a dozen. Ties in a row that that Jersey managed to win, so they really took it right away. But it was it was fairly one sided. Um, they only won one and a half points in the first day, and then uh, managed two and a half on the second day. Uh, but there were some decent performances uh, in, in the singles um, uh, from the point of view of vice captain uh, Sue Welfare, um, and she uh, was fairly optimistic uh, from that point of view in terms of you know home advantage next year might make it at least more competitive, um, but. At the same time, uh, she was realistic about the fact that there is strength in depth, especially in the youth ranks in the jersey set up at the moment, while Guernsey is, relatively speaking, struggling to recruit uh, new players. In fact, she said most of the new players that are coming through are those who are uh, able to afford the time to play more because they're reaching retirement rather than new uh, players coming through. Although the Sports Commission's work in schools, she said, may well... uh, Turn out one or two uh, options for them uh, going forward. So, and and some of the better performances were among the younger players. So, um, there's some hope there, but it's clearly um, some sort of development work over time to do before uh, Guernsey can hope to actually beat the Caesareans in one of these women's inter I think.
0: Yeah, and that home advantage, I'm sure um, both the men and the women will be hoping. counts for something next summer at the island games Um, speaking of the island games and we'll be speaking a lot about it over the next nine ten months eleven months or so um, some interesting news from the table tennis this week Del.
1: Uh yeah um, when we had our first sort of uh, pre-season uh, information through from uh, the organisers of the uh, the GTTA uh, included a, a few names returning to the sport who haven't played for a little while for example Josh Butler who of course has been mentioned several times on this pod recently in his role as Guernsey cricket captain but a name that uh, we haven't heard so much of Alice Edwards uh, formerly uh, Alice Loveridge um who is going to be competing this season uh, at the table tennis center uh, in the league um so uh she's uh one of she's in one of the eight teams of three who are in the top division there's 34 teams in total in the four divisions um and so it's the biggest entry uh individually and in terms of teams that they've seen uh in the last 20 or more years uh, certainly this century um and uh it's it's um, thought although you know we haven't spoken to each individual um, that one of the factors in this is the prospect of a home island games at the end of the season so uh, obviously it, that is a very big carrot to draw people uh, back in. Um, I did speak to Alice uh, earlier in the week and um, she said that it it may not have been that entirely that drew her back in she um, just began to feel that she was missing the sport having attended the uh, fairly recent centenary dinner uh, and having taken part in the wrong handed tournament Um, she just realised that um, she hadn't been involved for a while she was missing it she wanted to get back into it and one of the other factors was that uh, there's a lot of new faces uh, in the sport now new young up and coming players who are uh, improving rapidly and she felt that she wanted to test herself against them Um, unfortunately uh, uh, this uh, good news um was tempered somewhat by the fact that uh, she's uh, slipped a disc so she's got to wait until she's recovered from that before she can play. Um, she It happened a few weeks ago but it's going to be another few weeks at least before she can uh, can resume. But I, I imagine there'll be a, a certain frisson at the uh, uh, Hougue de Pommier when uh, she returns back into action because uh, obviously uh, she's achieved great things. Uh, nine Island Games medals, eight of them gold, three singles championships within that and obviously multiple Island singles and doubles championships as well.
0: Yeah, presumably she's not coming back wrong-handed then.
1: Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> but I think other players might find that a bit patronising. Yeah. No, no, she'll she'll be coming back with the. Correct hand <laughs>
0: no we don't want to put too much pressure on her because um obviously she you know she was so successful kind of in her prime um but kind of coming back at it you know it's, it's great to see it. and that's one kind of thing what one really nice thing about the home island games coming up is is all these kind of sort of whispers and suggestions of of kind of great island sports people who have you know still kind of well within perhaps well within their kind of gift it to to compete at that level who who might be coming back
1: yeah absolutely and and, in Alice's case she did point out to me that you know she used to train six or seven hours a day but in her heyday as a a player Um, now you know she's got a family and uh, she's probably going to be managed you know one or two uh, not per day but you know even you know got a couple of outings a week so it's not it's not feasible in her mind that she's just going to be able to switch it straight back on and, and reach those peaks again but uh, when I was talking to uh, Rob Batiste uh, okay. earlier in the week you know he's he's his view on it was, well she's of such quality that she'll be a force to be reckoned with so it'll be really interesting to see but as you say you know we can't just assume she's going to waltz in and and uh, power through it will be uh, fascinating to watch
0: yeah good to see her back right that's it for part one um coming up next we'll hear from uh, olympic champion <music> Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. If you're not already, do click subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts uh, to get every episode delivered straight to you. We'll also be back, um, well, at the start of next week, probably Tuesday with our next um, football podcast. Um, We took a week off this week uh, for obvious reasons, but back next week. So listen out for that. Um... Now, it was an exciting weekend for Guernsey Hockey. Um, they had uh, a pretty esteemed visitor over, Shona McAllen, um, the Great Britain and England star, who's won Olympic, European and Commonwealth um, titles, uh, was the special guest at Sunday morning's Hockey Fest at Foots Lane um, as part of a, a bit of a whistle-stop tour of the island, um, inspiring the next generation, but also here uh, to talk about her experiences of concussion. Um, and a guest of Headway Guernsey, a, a, a very relevant and sort of developing topic I guess um, within sport there's a lot more awareness of it around but there's a lot more work to do by the sounds of it and and Gareth the caught up with her to speak about that um, and a bit about her career here's that interview.
4: Welcome to the island, Shona Um, can you just give sort of like a a, a brief description of uh, all your the purpose of your visit to Guernsey?
6: Yeah, so Guernsey arrived this morning with the lovely sunshine. Um, I'm here to do a bit of a whistle-stop tour of the island um, in terms of a hockey capacity. So I'll be visiting Guernsey Hockey Club um, and going down to their hockey fest, which attracts numerous numbers of juniors, um, and also going to a dinner, uh, which is acting as a bit of a fundraiser for, for the hockey club. And I'm also doing some work with Headway, raising awareness of brain injuries, uh, specifically concussion, which I unfortunately sh- struggled with um, a few years ago, and just promoting the fantastic work that Headway do on the island, um, sharing knowledge, learning from other brain injury sufferers, um, and genuinely seeing what the island has to offer. It's, it's doing quite well so far. It <laughs> is doing so well. It's midday and it's, it's boiling, actually. It's, it's much better than the weather in England last week. <laughs>
4: Uh, would you mind sort of going into a bit of your experiences with the concussion and sort of how it came about?
6: Yeah. So uh, back in two thousand eighteen, I was out in Argentina with Great Britain, and we had a five-match test series against against Argentina. And it was the first game in the first half, and I took an innocuous shoulder injury, or shoulder collision to the side of my head. Instantly, didn't feel too good. Uh, came off the pitch, got assessed, um, was told. That I wasn't going to go back on again, and I had concussion. Um, at that point, I got quite irrationally angry and annoyed, which I know now is a sign because mm. um, I knew that that was me done for the the tour. Um, it, back in two thousand eighteen, the protocols were at least f- five days rest, mm. doing nothing. So I knew that was me gone, um, and. Yeah, over the coming kind of eight, nine, 10, 11 months of the rest of that year up until December, I struggled to get back to playing hockey. I struggled um, having pain free days. So, for me, I really struggled with light, sound, um, moving my head as well I would often bring on symptoms. And those symptoms were headaches, eye ache, um, facial. Uh, numbness as well Um, and often struggled with low moods irritability um, would spend days on end in a dark room in bed not doing much and feeling very lost and isolated Um, I was supported by GB hockey during that period and and was able to go see concussion specialists and have brain scans and and help me through my rehab but yeah it took until the december of that year so nearly a whole year um, of struggles to get back to being normal Shoner again
4: um, so one thing you mentioned when you when you first, the, the the collision first happened in the game and you you didn't want to come off i mean that, no. that's something i mean i see quite a lot in sort of rugby and what have you people sort of take a knock to the head they want to continue how mm. important is it to, to actually sort of have the the strength of sort of medics and coaches and what have you actually, to realize how dangerous it can be
6: yeah, it's it's one of the, the biggest challenges I think concussion will face in sport. No athlete wants to leave no. the game of play or not compete in a race or have to sit something out and especially sit something out for something you can't see. Mm. So, for example, if you got uh, a knock to the shoulder and it was quite visibly bruised and you could see a bone sticking out where it, shouldn't be sticking out but it wasn't that sore well those symptoms tell you that it's not quite right and you shouldn't probably go back on again but when you have a knock to the head um, there's nothing to see um, and people still believe and still think um, just due to lack of awareness that unless you get knocked out then it's not that serious because actually research has shown that Concussions where you don't get knocked out are often the most long-lasting and long-standing. Um, so, yeah, that will always be a battle, and to overcome that battle will be about educating people. But it it, it is hard, um, and the education is not to scare people, but it's just for safety and protection. Um, I was lucky that I was playing an international hockey match, and I had um, a doctor and a physio on the bench who. Are very well trained and 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 professionals in in that expert field. I'm um, always put safety of players as as number one. So I was very lucky that I had them to make that decision for me. You know, whether I if I was maybe playing in a club match where I didn't have the access to those physio and doctor and I, I had to make the decision myself. I I like many other people would have probably decided to carry on. Whereas that's in hindsight, obviously they're not not the best thing for me to have done so um yeah i was really lucky that i had those people to make that decision for me
4: yeah like you say it can be probably innocuous to some people as well can't it? i mean it, and it can happen in almost uh, strange scenarios mm. as well i mean it's not just the sporting aspect of it you'd be looking at
6: yeah many people and two lovely ladies that i've spoken to this morning they um acquired their brain injuries not playing sport mm. you know one was uh, a car accident which which wasn't their fault and one was a freak accident walking into um a pole like a light lamp post in the mm. dark and just didn't didn't see it so two definite accidents yeah. um you know not much danger really you know walking home and you know think how many times we drive a car and, and don't have any accidents but unfortunately for these these two ladies it it caused them brain injuries and, and long-lasting brain injuries and it was great to to speak to them both today and to hear about their stories and their coping strategies and what they've learned and and share things from my side and also speak to the experts here at, at headway has been a real eye-opener and it's it's encouraged me to continue sharing what I know about concussion and educating people and and to remove the stigma that it's it's just a bang on the head and it's just a headache and and you can run it off and you'll be okay
4: yeah and sort of since your um uh, accident or your uh, injury um does it sort of make you appreciate your time in, in hockey more now
6: yeah it definitely does there was times during 2018 that i just didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel i couldn't see myself living a normal life let alone living an international hockey player's yeah. life. Um so there was I, I was riddled with with doubt whether I'd be able to return to international hockey. Um the year the year out definitely taught me not to take anything for granted. And also twinned with with COVID as well, not being able to play international sport for over a year has also, you know, made me super i um, thankful mm. of the the ability and the opportunity to play international sport. Um, you know, health and happiness will always be my number one priority in life, but um, sport brings brings something really special into my life as well. Yeah.
4: Um, sort of on the hockey theme, you'll like you say you'll be on to the Hockey Fest tomorrow. What, what sort of message do you like to sort of give to young kids who are sort of just starting out, sort of perhaps even just trying hockey for the first time?
6: As cliché as it sounds, just to enjoy it. Um, sport has given me so many opportunities in life: um, the ability to make friends, the ability to gain confidence, uh, socialise, meet other people which I wouldn't meet without sport, um, learn new skills, be happier, be healthier. Um, and of course, yes, it as an international athlete, it comes with its challenges and and adds stress at some points in in your life. Um, but The overall feeling I have towards sport is one of positivity and um, I think for all youngsters growing up, they should be encouraged, if able to, to get into sport in some capacity um, just because of the opportunities and and the joy it can bring.
4: Um, And on a personal level, do you still find it, Has it sunk in yet what you've achieved? I mean you're an Olympic European Commonwealth champion now. Do you ever sort of wake up thinking I've done all that? (laughs)
6: Um, It's slowly sinking in this summer. Um, I had my eye on the Commonwealth gold medal for a long time. Mm. Um, I was really lucky when I first came into the senior um, setup that within two years of my debut I'd won a European gold and Olympic gold and perhaps took that for granted a little bit, um, being in a successful team and winning gold medals. Uh, I haven't reached a final um, in international hockey competitions since 2016. Mm. So that's nearly six years, you know, including COVID, but six years of not making a major final um, since then. So it was always on my radar to try and win that Commonwealth Games gold medal. It's a tough one to win in hockey. Um, so yeah, to be able to to finally say, you know, I'm part of a, an England and Great Britain women's team that have won a European gold, Olympic gold and Commonwealth gold is, is quite an achievement.
4: Did it make it extra special being on home soil this summer?
6: It did, yeah, it did. Um, I'm a sports mad fan and I've been longing for international sport to come back ever since COVID kind of took that away from us and have really enjoyed going back to watching um, my beloved Arsenal or other live live sporting events. Um, And I feel like a lot of other people were in that same boat this summer. You know, um, restrictions are are pretty much non-existent now and people are able to live a a normal life um, and to be able to go to a multi-sport event, which also brings an extra energy and an extra interest um and to do that at home in front of friends and family who you know i and my sister there who hadn't seen me play for over five years um live um and to have it over the bbc as well um and the weather was very kind to us as well in birmingham it, it just everything just kind of added up to a really really special um yeah 10 days or so uh, accumulating in a in a gold medal for the women's hockey team
4: and just to conclude, I mean, you mentioned it was on the BBC. I mean, how important is it that sort of that sort of success will take it take hockey to a larger audience, won't it, across across Britain? I mean, how do you sort of get the vibe that more people are interested in hockey now?
6: I do, yes, and I think having it on uh, free to air TV is so important. Um, a lot of comments after Tokyo were that it was such a shame that the time difference was not kind to us. It was such a shame that no fans were able to watch. Um, but it was also such a shame that it wasn't free to air on BBC as much. It was very much split over other channels such as Eurosport and I think Disney Plus. and And um, I think it took a little bit away from the Tokyo Olympics. That it wasn't free to air for people and it wasn't that easy to find. And I know I was I was a fan and I was watching it, but the Commonwealth Games was plastered all over the BBC the whole time, whether it be on the TV or the website, um, uh, along with the the women's Euros football that was on uh, BBC and ITV as well. And it it just gets those non-die-hard hockey fans or those general sports fans watching because um, it's not difficult to find you put on your TV and it's there. You know, I often just turn the TV on and stick BBC 1 on or stick BBC 2 on and actually end up enjoying what I'm watching but it wasn't a planned thing and I think those are the types of people we want to entice people to come and watch hockey and be involved in it Um, because I think once you start watching it you realise what a fast high-paced game it is and how exciting it can be Um, and I think the Commonwealth Games final for for the women certainly showed that and hopefully it it attracted some new people to come and play our sport.
0: Great Britain and England hockey player Shona McCallan speaking to Gareth there. I'm sure um, a a valuable um, visit and valuable experiences that she shared with local sports people. right let's have a quick look ahead to what's going on this weekend Jamie um big half marathon on yeah.
2: Sunday how's that shaping up um yeah I mean it's a race which serves different purposes for different people a lot of them see <laughs> it as very, a like, big, delicately put <laughs> well, yeah a lot of people see it as a big personal challenge to complete it and I think that yeah it's got a nice mass participation element but I think this year it should be quite well supported at the elite end because you don't get many chances to race half marathon during the year and this it can also, so this particular race could serve as the main domestic qualifier for the Home Island Games next year. So I think we'd expect quite a competitive race up front. Yeah, I think if Steve Dawes is present and fit, he would be the favourite and he could probably throw down quite a good marker. He's already dropped a very good time this season, so he doesn't necessarily have to compete. But yeah, it'd be nice to see him taking part, probably winning his domestic half marathon. As we've said behind him, it should be quite well contested with people looking to get that second and third half marathon place for the Island Games. And the conditions look pretty good, as we
0: said, Um, just a sort of gentle breeze, perhaps a bit of sunshine, a bit of clouds and not not too hot. 16 degrees is the, uh, the forecast
1: sounds good to you Del it certainly does uh, I'm not taking part this year but I'm going to um, shamelessly take advantage of my appearance on this pod to uh, wish good luck to uh, competitor 137 Julie Fisher because my wife is taking part in her first ever half marathon oh, and she's been training for about six months um, and so yeah I wish her luck I'll be at the end to to uh, to <laughs> welcome her home I think
2: yeah great stuff actually looking at looking at that forecast just now um, I know one of my worst memories of a half is when you turn around that about Bordeaux and you're into a stiff headwind. Looking at the forecast, it seems like it's going to be a bit more of a gradual... You've got a bit of a crosswind heading up to that section, but then the wind should actually be behind you when we run into town. And I definitely know that's sort of what you want in the last four miles of a half when you're already pretty tired. I could, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah one day, yeah. one day I'll uh, join join the hordes, down
0: yeah. at Uh but not this year. Not this year. All right, next year. Next year, possibly. Right, I probably said that last year. <laughs> um, uh, let's just look at what else is going on this weekend on the football front. Um, it's a big weekend for Mayor Latissier uh, over in England in line potentially for a debut for Manchester United um, in the WSL on Saturday at home against Reading. They were supposed to play their first game of the season last weekend, of course, um, postponed for obvious reasons. But yeah, they'll be uh, at home against Reading this weekend and uh, yeah hopefully given her sort of game time in pre-season we'll see her on the pitch for that one um, and we're going to be speaking to her a bit later on today actually um, uh, we've got a cool setup with her so you can look forward to to reading um, a few of her thoughts in tomorrow's paper and, and hearing a bit more on next week's
1: um, football podcast as well so yeah best of luck to her such an exciting prospect isn't it I mean when was the last time any Guernsey footballer made a debut for Manchester United has that ever happened before I don't think they're not aware of it.
0: <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we need to get Robin. No, I don't think so.
1: Um, yeah, it's fantastic.
0: And, you know, four of her teammates are um, Euros winners from this summer. Um, so it would be interesting to, to find out whether she's been able to keep the likes of Elatoon and Alessia Rousseau quiet in training. I'm sure she'll have been doing her best. Um, but yeah, fantastic stuff. I'm looking forward to speaking to her. And, and locally, um, we've got the first sort of inter games of the season coming up in the Jeremy Cup.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, hot uh, from their recent victory uh, in the uh, first round of the Jeremy Cup, uh, Rovers uh, will be up against St. Clement. At Port Swath. Uh they ran out two-nil winners against uh, Sylvans uh, on Tuesday night, and uh, in a game which, uh, uh, by all accounts, was a pretty dire affair in the first half, but with, in which Rovers uh, came good in the second. Um, and uh, Kevin Gillies was, was saying to me he was just delighted that was a really good strong reaction after um, having not played a game for ages. Um, so they'll obviously be feeling on top of the world, and they're keen to get sort of chomping at the bit um, to uh, to resume. Uh, Uh, their efforts on Saturday at noon that's a noon kickoff at Portsmouth and um, I spoke also to Gary Tumblety um, Mm -hmm. at uh, St Clement and they're bringing over a somewhat depleted squad um, because um, they've got a few uh, minor sort of injury concerns and unavailabilities as well. Um, so they're missing um, Ali De Santos, for example, um, and uh, Connor O'Shea, their club captain too. Um, and in fact, uh, Gary himself is not able to come over. He's got work to do with the reserves, he said, so his, his assistant is coming over instead. So um, that will be um, at the same time as we'll also uh, have St. Martins kicking off against St. Brillard at Blanche Pierre Lane so that's that's the only local football action in the men's uh this weekend Jeremy Cup uh noon at Blanche Pierre Lane and at Portsworth
0: yeah it's good to see in island football so back on a, a normal schedule and and you know those games getting underway um pretty early in the season GFC also at home on Saturday at two o'clock kickoff against Leatherhead um so uh well you'll be down there I forgot to mention that yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I will be commentating for games FC TV <laughs> uh, I I'll try to remember to turn up yeah and uh, so yeah we can You can read about that on uh, on Monday in the in the paper. Um, It's um, it's. Quite, it seems a long time since Guernsey uh, played a home game, and of course their their uh, game on Monday night away has been uh, postponed as well. So uh, it's an opportunity to uh, to see the green Lions go out and try and put down a marker after their recent success, yeah. that last minute goal from Ross Allen. You know, can they can they keep the momentum going?
0: Something to build on there for sure. And Jamie, a big weekend for motorsport in Alderney.
2: Yeah. So actually, yeah, starting today. Obviously, all the best of the 75 or so motorsport enthusiasts who are taking part in the Aldney Speed events. Um, it was an unfortunate situation last year, and that had to be called off last minute, pretty much due to the Aldney Hospital situation. So it's nice to see it going ahead. Um, it's always a well-supported event, and we'll have some great competitors in action, trying to better our personal bets, maybe beat records. Um, including Emma Rayson, who... Smashed the smashed the about sorry smashed the gunsie Valdés record the other week so we'll be inter- it'll be interesting to see what competitors like her are capable of
0: yeah big weekend up there and you'll be able to read about um well more on all of the weekend sport the pages <laughs> against to tomorrow and on Saturday and likewise uh, on the other side of the weekend uh, reviews roundups recaps congratulations commiserations whatever's <laughs> happened you'll be able to find out um on monday and tuesday uh i think that's just about it for now if you're not already do give us a follow on social media at gsy press um is the place to go on facebook twitter and instagram thanks very much jamie thanks del cheers okay. you. see you next week cheers